Good morning, good morning. This is Sister C, Charlotte Farrell, here in the place to be, CJSF Radio 90.1 in Burnaby. Today is the first Friday of May, May Day. In some places, it's a celebration. Other places, there is uh, literally a world saying, May Day, May Day, a call for help. Today, we're going to be discussing um, meditation. My new co-host is Adele Ropa, and she is going to introduce our special guest. And uh, Adele, are you there? I'm here. Hi, everybody. How's your May Day going? Um, thank you for tuning in for today. Um, I have with us a Paloma Colos, who is a um, who works at Karma Teachers. Uh, we both are actually we met at the studio. Um, I became a meditation teacher, um, and we were working on the same day, and so I'm really excited to have her on today. Um, so she does the social media kind of coordination and strategy, and yeah, I'll let her take it from here, Paloma. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Oh, we have our friend Neil joining us. Hi. We do I'm apologize. It kept crashing on me. I don't know. Anyway, I'm in the middle. Hi, Adele. Hi. Hi, I'm Paloma. Paloma. Uh, Adele just finished introducing me, but I'll give you a quick recap. I help Adele and I met at Karma Teachers Studio, which is a Canada's only nonprofit yoga studio, and that provides free or by donation yoga. Um, these days, we usually have a brick and mortar studio on the downtown east side, but these oh, days cool. we've been actually moving our studio to the internet globally uh and we've been able to provide free or by donation classes still globally and uh oh, it's been awesome. really helpful for our community nice to meet you neil awesome i'm in the middle of cooking something i gotta go turn the stove off i'll be right back <laughs> hi charlotte Hi. Well, this is, as you hear, this is uh, the way of the world now. We are recording by Zoom and it's reality radio. So uh, we're going to have a tune and right after that tune, we will be uh, hearing more about Ryan and uh, what his approach is to meditation. And you can tell us the song and the artist so that other people, if they want to check out new music on this May Day, you'll be able to follow the ones that we go to and have on our playlist today. So this is a live version of uh, this artist named Sudan Archives. It's called Island Moss and it's for the Colors show, which is a, a YouTube channel. Yeah. 
Again, who was that? Sudan Archives. It's called, and, the song is called Iceland Moss. Okay. Yeah, it's a live uh, version of her singing the song. Very good. Okay, this is Charlotte Farrell and Adele Rope, and we are on CJSF Radio, and it is the Speak Up Show on Friday, May 1st. We are dealing with meditation today, hearing how people got involved in it, the different styles and ways that it can help us with that kind of mayday call the earth is giving us right now with the pandemic. Uh, we've heard from uh, Paloma Comas and we are being joined with Neil Ryan. Neil, uh, introduce yourself. Well, good afternoon. Um, I'm a writer. I write poetry and short stories. Uh, and I got into meditation originally 40 years ago, but I never hung in there with it. But I picked up a book um, called uh, The Habit of Being Yourself or Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And in it, they uh, Joe dispenses the guy. And uh, what happened was um, in the book, it talks about using meditation to maintain your health or my health. And um, he has a particular formula, uh, which I really like. And uh, so I've been now uh, September through till now. So it's about seven months. Um, I've been doing it at various times but lately it's been mostly at six in the morning till seven in the morning uh it's a one hour meditation uh, and really it's really about letting go of the self mm -hmm. and discovering that we are in fact wonderful creatures that uh, occupy this body and this the energy of the body is in our chakras and there's a whole series of activities around chakra and starts at the base chakra and goes through to to the top of the head so um i i have a variety of things that i do and uh, I, I almost can say I've, it's been continuous seven months, an hour in the morning, but I know that Michelle and I go off somewhere to the U.S. and I might do, we're away for two or three or four days, I might do one day of meditation, but get occupied with other things. So I have missed a few days but I can probably count them on two hands, so. Okay, well, that's, we're going to hear how each person kind of practices and has gotten into it. Adele, what's been your uh, journey into meditation? I actually um, started meditation six, five, five years, maybe six years ago. 
I was I had moved out except like up my for the first time and my life was really unstable and there was like all this uncertainty in the air um and so I walked into a temple that was kind of near commercial drive where it was close to where I was living and I went inside and I was like breathe, like kind of like took a breath and I smelled incense and it was really calm and I used to find myself going in there sometimes to listen to the nuns chanting um and so it became like peaceful and I started looking at detachment you know and letting go so I spent maybe three years in learning about detachment and learning about how to not be so attached to what you're feeling and that the world isn't certain and so um, that's how I started my, my like my practice but I you know, so I, yeah I studied different kinds of uh, ideas that came out of like the, so I started with Tibetan Buddhism and started making my way into uh, looking at some of like the Chinese Zen, Japanese Zen, some uh, Tao, and uh, just different kind of Eastern philosophies. Um, I was just trying to look at a new way to look at life and looking at another perspective. Um, and so that's kind of how I, I began my journey. And I just started to dive more and more into looking at for ways to um, not be so attached to the, my world. And that like, you know, so this was kind of like a, a tough time in my life. And so it was nice to feel like you were in control of something because you realize that like your emotions are only that one only exist when you attach to them. Um, and so that became something that I practiced for a while. And then now five or six years later, um, I've been teaching meditation for nine months and I teach a, a mixture. So my client, my style of meditation is called flu flow meditation which is a um, moving meditation. It involves a lot of like breath. So it's, it's like led with the breath work and some Qigong like energy, uh, trans, like working the energy through your body and then heavy visual visualizations that we do um, as a guided meditation. And then just some like Qigong Tai Chi style um, movements just to help like bring you back into your body and some yoga just to stretch you out because meditation is not just sitting for 30 minutes and being and just like relaxing it's it's about being physically active inside of your body and slowly taking time to um like you do yoga so that you can meditate you know like so that like it's necessary to help you clear your mind to get comfortable inside of your body and that way you can meditate for longer periods of times um and so yeah that's how i began my journey and i was getting deeper like i was trying to get in I, before i got a concussion um, in January, I was trying to start training to get into Kung Fu um, and to do some like martial arts styles and stuff like that. But I started boxing and I wanted to get more into those because I like the disciplines. But yeah, so that's my um, meditation journey. Well, we'll, as, we'll, as we're going around this round table in a bit, we'll maybe ask you to share some uh, breath work or some things that people might be able to do while listening. Uh, what about you, uh, Paloma? Um. My journey with meditation has been a bit of a struggle, I would say, <laughs> but I, I try to practice as much as I can. I think I was more, I, attention, sorry, uh, meditation became more of a highlight in my life when I realized that um, through movement, you can enter a place of a, like a meditative state. I guess some people maybe will call that a runner's high or something. But there's something when you practice a lot of movement that you can actually zero in and just be present. Um, I also realize the importance of finding stillness in meditation as well. Um, and that's been a bit more of a struggle for me. I am one of those people who practices yoga so I can then meditate afterwards. But the getting all that like physical energy out seems pretty important for people like me and trying to focus right back in um especially doing social media where like my distraction rate is really high and i i can jump from one topic to another it's, it's a strength but the challenge for me is finding a stillness mm, yes. coming back within um breathing <laughs> seems so simple but it's so hard uh and I find that my community, well, for me, I found support in my community um, at Karma Teachers and a lot of 
my friends are my teachers, <laughs> like Adele, you know, so she, uh, her class has actually been really helpful in like, you know, the slow movements of like Tai Chi or Qigong to like actually bring breath in for people who don't have an inclination to staying still. <laughs> I'm one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because I had been hearing about meditation for some time. Um, I I, I knew more about mindfulness. The point that really drove me to learn meditation was uh, when I was in film school, everything was around multitasking. And I was writing, uh, the multitasking made me very tired. I was also working for a county um, health program. My background is health promotion, nutrition, and I was working for a Head Start program where I had to dive sometimes 80 miles in a day. And I had an opportunity to go to Sedona, and it was supposed to be for learning how to do facilitation, but in a totally different way. So I was so sick of being in the car, I literally flew (laughs) from Los Angeles to to, Sedona. I love. No, I didn't fly straight to Sedona. I went to uh, another city, biggest city in in uh, Arizona, and then I flew to Flagstaff and I drove because I wanted to find the shortest amount of driving I could do to get there, and uh, I wanted to avoid the freeway. And so the guy told me, you know, there are these two entrances. When you come up, you make the second entrance. Well, again, I wasn't concentrating. I made the first entrance, which put me into the mountains. And I was terrified and I found I really had to be still and find this place of peace with God and the angels that, that, that you know, hang out in the hills of this thing because of switchbacks. I learned what they meant by switchbacks. But then um, as I got to the retreat, the facilitation that they teach you to do as a teacher within school where you are, you know, all around, um, bringing people in, techniques for forming people in circles. Uh, I had taken a course at University of Phoenix and we had 14 different styles of facilitation. So I thought, well, this is gonna be another. And with that, it was with getting into oneself, finding where you were, because if you don't find where you are, you can't feel where other people's spirit is, where other people are. And to be able to bring people into something like anything you're teaching them, being able to be at peace with oneself. So that particular trip of having to overcome my fear of the mountains, uh, find the peace, led me to get more interested in taking meditation class. So at the Agape Spiritual Center in uh, Los Angeles, we had a first class and they talked about first levels. And a thing that I did, was start meditating, I would jump up and start to make a list. And they said, no, it's not about making lists. And then uh, it took a while to really get to, I read a book by Taknat Han on mindfulness. And in the mindfulness, when he talked about uh, being at one, when you're eating something. And so the being at one was a way, I came in the kind of meditation through the back door because practicing mindfulness helped me to just be still. And uh, I didn't know about the type of uh, meditation that that, uh, uh, Adele does with moving. That would have been really great because I'm (laughs) thinking you have to be moving, doing something. But really, it really helped me. Meditation helped me overcome uh, really bouts of insomnia, being able to lay and really be still and feel my body soak into the bed uh, and to just um, find an angle where my feet were elevated and to just think of, because I thought, how do you think of nothing? You know, your brain is talking all the time. How can you think of nothing? (laughs) But uh, the breath, getting uh, consciousness over your breath. So I'd like to hear, um, you know, some things that you have to say about the breath. How important is it to be, what role does breathing play in meditation? It's the most primary thing. First of all, uh, the misconception, everybody says it's about quieting the mind. You can't quiet the mind. Like it's about understanding that you and the, like you're an observer of your, of your thoughts and you're not. So like I do like visualization exercises where I have you sit on top of the cliff and watch like a river roar and watching the river just kind of flowing. And you sit on top of the mountain and you just watch. And I'd say like, this is the experience of watching yourself think. That like your your mind and your will always race and will always find ways to just continue to think but you have to separate yourself and know that you're not completely attached to those thoughts and that you are you and your thoughts are 
just coexisting, but you're not exactly like, you know, together. And so the breathing is fundamentally important because it's exactly, it's our, it's how we sustain our life. It's a, like, you know, so when you breathe, for example, when you're meditating, you need a focus point, right? When you're doing yoga, you're focusing on your movements and making sure you're stretching in certain ways. When you're in, um, in meditative state, you're completely activated, you know, if you're like core is activated, you're up, you're upright, you're um, breathing and you're focusing on the, your breath as in, you're inhaling and exhaling. Just like if you're chanting, you're focusing on music, you're focusing on saying words and repeated over and over again. So it's as you like repet- repetition um, and having a focus point allows for your mind to be able to just like look at, think and focus on one thing and then everything else settles. So um, that's sort of like how meditation is functioning. It's understanding that like, although it's a, that we are so like, that's the ego or whatever, but we're so connected to how we think we are. And that's the thing is we are thinking too much. Um, and so it's just about stepping back and observing and understanding that you're having an experience and that experience is heightened by your connection to it and whatever you decide to attach yourself to becomes that right and that's the whole like beginning of detachment it's just that understanding that like things are only amplified and are bigger because you're attaching yourself to that feeling or you are you know so anytime you say i'm happy and then you connect yourself to that happiness and you become happy then when it gets taken away from you and then you're sad again then you take that emotion and you're like i'm sad now and then i'm like you know so you have to understand i feel happy this is, but it's a fleeting. It's gonna move, you know. So it's just understanding that that division. But anyways, that's my take. You know, there, I, I, I absolutely agree that the idea of letting go of the self, because everything that is uh, I am that follows I am is a seduction, and. Yeah. And uh, it's the letting go of I am because uh, I, I am a spirit. I don't have any any way of uh, of I'm looking for the words to say I, I, I'm a spaceman and I've inhabited this body and everything that this body wants to do is to is to know who I am and where I am and how I am. And none of it is true. Um, I, I, short story, 14 years ago, I had bowel cancer. I came away from the surgery and said, no, I won't do chemo. And I looked for a whole other world of stuff. So I learned about tapping, the tapping thing. I learned about... Uh, a thing called Psyche K, which uses kinesiology, or anyway, a whole bunch of stuff. And I stopped seeing doctors. I did a lot of work with uh, with a doc, an, an MD who does naturopathic work, and and did chelation and and a whole bunch of stuff and in, injections of vitamin C and yada yada yada. But about four or five years ago, I said, I'm not going to ever see a doctor again because they are, they want to change the chemistry of my body. And I believe I can change the chemistry with my meditation. And, and that's what my, the purpose of my, I haven't seen a doctor in forever, except ICBC wanted me to do a physical because I'm an old guy. And, uh, handsome old guy but uh, an old guy so, so <laughs> he, here we are I, I i do meditation as my physician my clinician is that i i i really believe the power of the mind to heal the body but you have to I, but i have to let go of the ideas that I can change the physical body. It's that I need to give the body the space, which is why I do meditation. And the breath gives the body the space. It gives the body the space 
because it already knows how to heal itself. You know, you cut your finger. What happens? It, your body says, oh, I know how to solve that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my purpose in, 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 in meditation is to find the peace to allow my body to be healthy. Hey, what can I say? I'm 80 years old and uh, I, I have no problem walking 10 miles, 10 Ks, 10 K, 10 miles I haven't tried yet. But uh, I, I, I know that the Buddha was right. All that you are arises with your mind, with your thoughts you make the world and it follows as the cart follows the ox. What you believe, you create. So I'm, I work at creating a healthy life, healthy mind, healthy body, healthy spirit. Paloma, what do you think about the space? Literally, we, we're, we're in a space where we are distant, where people are in a, a different space with themselves. How does that lend itself to meditation it's mm, an interesting question um well it's been an interesting dichotomy being physically isolated and um i've talked to a few people that have also agreed that it's also increasing communications like meaningful communication um that being said so the space yeah i feel it it was supposed to be isolating and in a way it is, but uh, we still have um, the, all the avenues to communicate and which helps in like maintaining a practice like meditation for people who need the community as a support system to remind them to meditate um, with. Yeah. So I think in, in the yoga studios or with a lot of these online classes, the the space is being created through so many different avenues to remind us to meditate. And a lot of, a lot of people who are unemployed right now, um, now have a little bit of time and with the rising like anxiety and instability that is coming our way, it's even more important. And I wanted to add to what Neil said as well. I find it so fascinating and interesting that all these dis different disciplines, like uh, Qigong, martial arts, yoga, um, other ways to connect to the spirit. In their foundation, they have breathing exercises and meditation, but mostly breathing exercise. There's something so meditative about learning how to breathe again. Even the science promoting and encouraging younger kids and mindful eating um, is actually crucial to help the body heal again. So there's something about breathing, being aware of how your body is interpreting living in, in like healing, self-healing. Those two are so connected. And I love that we now can see that in like elementary schools, like, you know, practice of breathing is being included in younger curriculums. Um, uh, when I was going to elementary school, that wasn't really a priority. No. But it's cool to see, and it's exciting, actually, um, to be amongst, I don't even know, to be in an era where meditation and learning how to breathe, something so rudimentary has become now, so, like, it's been prioritized as something that's really important for so many different types of people to heal, and even just so many disciplines knew from the beginning that this is important. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Could you or Adele, could you give an example that someone might be able to follow like in a 30 second of a, you mentioned different types of, of uh, like modalities, a breathing technique that someone could use? I, okay, you go ahead, Adele. <laughs> uh, so there's one where I, that you can, what's it called? You inhale through your nose, you deep inhale, and then you take three sips. Hold it and then release really, really slow. So you do that like four times before you start meditating and it'll help you just to um, zero in. Now, do you use the four seconds that you inhale? Like 10, usually, about 10 seconds of holding your breath and then release. 
and then do it about in sets. You breathe for four seconds. You inhale. Hold it for four seconds, and then you release it for eight seconds. Yeah, you can honestly. It's up to you. This the whole point is your practice, right? So you breathe in and exhale and hold for as long as you think you might need, because it's all about coming into yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the that's one a simple um, breathing exercise. Yeah, I was gonna I, say, should people feel frustrated if they, you know, can only hold it for four seconds while they're working toward getting to eight? Um, I well, I would recommend the box breath. I think that one's very popular. You let's say breathe for four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four. Um, but that can be reduced to just breathe for two, breathe for three, whatever is what you need at that moment. I find the frustration, it could come up. Um, just like observing it, it's there. Uh, but you, learning to work around it or work through it is also part of the challenge, part of the fun. <laughs> I think it's connected to, to something Neil said, but we're going to hear another song, but I wanted to say when you were picturing your body, if while you're listening right now, if you do that breathing in to a count of four, picture the air going into your body. Someone told me to picture that once as golden sand coming in. And then as it was going to an area, feeling it wherever it went, feeling it if it was in my abdomen or feeling if it was in my chest, but feeling it and then letting it out slowly and seeing how it had changed like smoke and it turned to uh, gray smoke. So just, that took my mind off of other things because trying to picture great, you know, golden sand coming in my nose. There's a part of my brain that wanted to argue, you don't want sand to come in your nose. <laughs> <laughs> so I changed it to bubbles, you know, picturing these golden bubbles. But I think having that picture, and as you said, the box, I think that's helpful. Picturing breathing in to four, then holding for four, then releasing it. Um, mm -hmm. I find it's also, if I could add this, it's also been really helpful for me. Um, I did my yoga teacher training. I forgot to mention that before. <laughs> uh, but in the training, there's a, there's a lot of attention into the anatomy of breath. And I find the learning about all the steps that the air takes um, and all the body parts that it goes through helps bring the attention so you can observe the whole breath going up your nose around your eyes down your throat into your lungs and expanding all four ways uh, it's been uh, so many of my classes are really like breath and anatomy together so it can help bring the focus in it kind of feeds the the knowledge of the mind but it also it does its purpose which is like brings you into a place of presence which is cool yeah, that was very helpful to me when I um, had a head injury and I had these horrible headaches and a chiropractor in Toronto had me visualizing, um, picturing that this elephant's foot that was on my head, <laughs> like a dancing cap. He gave me the choice, picture what it is. So I pictured a cap on my head and then I was dancing reggae and I threw the hat out into the crowd. But in breathing and getting more into an organized meditation class, uh, there's a thing within cancer research where you send things to an area. You send, you know, knights yeah. in golden armor to an area and they fight in that area and then they go out. So combining that with breathing, you know, they're going in there with a bunch of oxygen and they're fighting the cells and then, you know, what's <laughs> whatever's left comes out. But it just, uh, that visualing really helped with pain because as you know, in this country and, and in the United States, we have a huge problem with opiates because too many doctors and uh, have put people on their first drug of choice uh, in an addictive medicine, something in the opiate family. Instead of putting them on a plan to try and picture, you know, as you were talking about, and saying a different thing after I am, what Neil said about I am, you know, I am healthy, I am pain-free, I am feeling wonderful. Just uh, sending that thought around, being able to connect that with meditation, I think is so, it was personally really helpful uh, to me. Mm. Do you have some music for us? I do. Um, one second. Um, 
We have Adele being DJ Adele, DJ AA <laughs> at the helm. <laughs> this is CJSF Radio 90.1 in Burnaby. I'm Charlotte Farrell, your own sister C. And what are we hearing? So this is called Bag Lady by Erica Badu. started I was learning detachment so it was uh, a time where I think I had to do a lot of forgiving um, and look look back at my life and know that it's time to let go and say uh, goodbye to all of the sadness um, and also to understand that all the feelings that came go and all the feelings that go come um, and so the thing that's what really helped me with the meditation is understanding that um, before, before I knew meditation, I would hold things in. Um, I would hold things in and, it would, and I would hold grudges sometimes and I wouldn't even know that I was still angry with somebody, but I just wouldn't want, never want to be, I would never want them in my life again. And it was just like, I'm like, that's not how you should live your life. You should be able to forgive and just be realized that like, um, all things shall pass. And so I studied stoicism and um, detachment. So it made me very, um, I let go, which was good. And now I'm on the opposite side now where I have to learn to perceive. So sometimes you need to learn a lot about one thing, but you also need to learn the other. So I just came out of five years of letting go. And now I'm finally in the place where I feel like I can receive. Um, and I think that's how meditation has helped me because as if I can calm my, myself and look at things and understand that, yeah, that it's a wave and that I don't need to attach myself to every feeling I feel. Sometimes I just need to let it be. So, yeah. And you, you? How, how about yourself, Neil? How has meditation helped you um, 
letting go, letting things go? Um, I'm following a, the, the methodology that uh, Joe Ver, uh, uh, Joe Dispenza uh, uh, writes in his book, uh, Beyond Supernatural. And uh, um, letting go is uh, okay. The answer is my son was two years old. He's now 52. My son was two years old, and I went to my friend and said, There's got to be more to life than get married have kids grow old and die. And so I've been on a journey and, and been on an adventure for 50 years to learn about life and learn about discovering. And so I've, uh, I, I, I've, been, I've been searching and, 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 and finding. And uh, if I may, I started writing poetry some, some time ago and, and uh, I have a poem here I would love to share if I can find it quickly. It's Ooh, called, I would love to hear one of your poems. It's, uh, it's called Forgiveness. And uh, it's from my book uh, called, my book called uh, From the Other Side. And uh, Forgiveness, sure. if I may. Ah, yes, yes, please. That, that'd be my book. <laughs> Available on, on Amazon and on Barnes and Noble and, 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 and directly from my good self. Forgiveness. As with everything in the universe, true forgiveness begins in the heart that is looking inward. And it must, like charity, begin at home. When I forgive myself right down to my core belief, my life begins to get better. When I look after my needs, my wants, and my desires, I am still open to loving, but I see some situations that there are confusion. What's the right decision? What will give me more love? What will give me the most love? Like most of us, I am always looking longing to be loved more. But when I forgive myself, I learn that I am enough. Just as I am, I am enough. I want but don't need the affection of others so that I feel loved. I don't need to have power over others or give others my power. I just am. And that's okay. Joy is in not only not minding the pain of living, but it is actually recognizing all, including the pain, are part of the gift of life. With it, without the capacity for contrast, there can be no joy. Without the occasional grief, there is no contrast. Eventually, one can see that the light and the dark are the same thing. They are called experiences. Thank you. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Thank you for sharing. I'm glad I got to hear some of your poetry. Read by the author. <laughs> Read by the author. I'll sign it for you. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, for me, who, how has meditation helped me let, to let go? I think for me, the process became like listening, being able to listen to my thoughts and the labels I was attaching to a lot like um, Adele said, not only the labels I was attaching to, the feelings I was holding on to, like the story that my head has spun about myself. And once I heard, once I was like in observer mode and I heard those stories, I realized um, 
wasn't a really good story. <laughs> and also, well, I didn't like it. It wasn't like these thoughts were not kind to me. And there was one meditation practice. Like I sometimes look for, um, I don't know, an idea to maybe explore. One of the practices was, um, would I talk to my friends the same way I talk to myself in my head? And um, the answer was no. I was a lot meaner to myself. But then if you have a lot of these thoughts, labels, and stories, you know, doing rotations around your head that are not necessarily serving you, um, then that becomes your language as well, or that's how I saw it. And anyway, I just had to kind of separate and realize that I couldn't believe everything I was thinking. And that's, that's been a really helpful way to be more affectionate with myself, be kinder with my thoughts and being able to let go of the, some of these thoughts that don't serve me and don't empower me and don't like, yeah, make me a more loving person. So that's, that was my technique. <laughs> so true. I recently read something about uh, nonviolent communication begins with begins with self. I yeah, I would have to believe I have to believe that I believe that I can see that the mean things that I was saying to myself about myself yeah. were the same uh, mean words that I was using with like my family members or like the people who had wronged me and things like that. So I I have to believe that. It's a beautiful thing to reflect on. Uh, someone gave me, I, I like the idea of the walking meditation because after I got comfortable with the idea that you don't have to be sitting cross-legged, which hurts for me, which yeah. is oh held up in the air. Uh, someone, uh, Ricky Byers Beckwith had a girlfriend's retreat and uh, at six o'clock in the morning, which is a time that I thought, I don't wanna be up meditating, but I went on this walking retreat and just noticing things in nature. And so many people are talking about with what's been taken away with not so many people driving, you can hear the birds talking. And so I think that walking meditation of just observing what new things are there, the new buds on the trees and uh, the different colors that the, the mountains, I've, I've, I live where you can see Mount Pleasant, but it was really cloudy. Now the blue, you know, really, you know, it's rich colors of blue, other colors in there that I haven't seen. And so where I was kind of not enjoying walking by myself with my mask up the hill, uh, now just looking at the things that are there, you know, that were invisible, that is very calming. And so um, I know that uh, Adele has talked about an even more physical type of, of meditation, what are some of the things that you do in uh, Gigong? You mentioned that. What can you Qigong. describe more about that? Qigong is uh, it's like it's sort of like a Chinese um, medita med like meditation and kind of um, medicine. And what it is is that your body has qi, which is called which is energy that is moving all throughout your body, but not your mind. Your mind doesn't have any qi. It uses qi. It uses a lot, and so it, it sometimes can drain. So the goal of uh, Qigong is to move the energy around your body with your breath. Hmm. You're, you're a guy, so each, you're inhaling and you're just kind of like moving with a force, you know? So you're really playing around with the energy that your body is exuding. You're playing with your chi um, and focusing that energy. Um, instead of letting it just flow freely, you can control it. And that's what Qigong is about. So you're like, do you see that with the places in your body that generate those different cheese and you focus your, your, your mind onto them and you move. And so it's, it's a, it's a very, um, it's a very like intimate experience. Um, also there's a, uh, some Qigong like masters can like, we'll, we'll also know like, for example, all the pressure points in your body, um, how like different, like even foot reflexology comes from that, that. So it's, it's just a lot of like, um, working, working out your body with your mind and focusing on moving the energy around you. Um, and it also spills over a lot to like the martial arts disciplines as well. So it's like, a, it's a really, um, I don't know, it's really nice. It's Qigong, but my thing is like, it's like a bit of Qigong and then Tai Chi. So I don't know, I'm, it's a hot pot. 
Well, like I I've forgotten. At one point, I didn't know the whole 108, but now it's just that circle where you're lifting the, the earth and what do you do after you lift it? You lift it and look at it. <laughs> uh, you know what I find about Tai Chi, uh, and I studied Qigong and I studied Tai Chi when I lived in Toronto, is the beauty of the movement. The movement yeah. is so graceful. It is like it, it's like a gift of energy. It slows things down, and I think we've been in this really fast-track, multitasking world. Uh, one of the things that I learned from uh, mindfulness, or Taknat Han's book, is that mindfulness is—it's really a myth you know, because the brain is not able to really multitask. It'll do a bunch of things, but we do damage to regions of our brain because it forgets is the brain is very orderly and it has one area that takes in information, another one that thinks about what you're thinking about, and then it goes into other areas where it, it processes things. And so with this multiple smash, it's like a smash up. You know, somebody told me pictures, just like if a bunch of people smash pies against the wall, that's your brain on multitasking. Uh, Whereas mindfulness, when you were, I was picturing, you know, when you were saying you're moving your key around, playing with it, being able to really visualize, is it like you're visualizing your breath or you're just visualizing this mysterious thing called your key, but handling it so it becomes more real, more tangible, and you could, you get a release of energy. And I think it would, you know, a, a lift up, a level of joy because it's something that you are, um, you're not trying to be bothered with somebody else's circle, <laughs> uh, but you are just really getting one-on-one um, -on -one with yourself, getting into a different I am. I think when you said I am spirit, I am not any of these stacks of papers. I'm not this driving at a certain speed, but I'm just with this energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. The author of Deep Work, um, I forget his name right now, but he talks about that point of uh, the multitasking brain, how it's not able to be present enough to do a quality of work that is needed mm. uh, and to make us, well, especially millennial, <laughs> millennial brains, let's say, but to make us uh, competitive in the job market. So mm -hmm. our, you know, us growing up with te this, these technologies that, uh, promote multitasking activities and not refocusing on presence and ultimately deep work are not doing are not actually giving us a competitive advantage or the competitive advantage that we once thought it was. I notice how much I multitask just doing the dishes or 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 anything i just notice how and recently i have begun to notice how many times i multitask i'm doing this and i do that and, I, and then i'm doing something i i was amazed when i began to notice it it was just hey wait a minute and i love your idea that says you can't do anything really well if you're busy doing another thing at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. Multitasking is something that I really, really struggle with. My brain, you know, it's so, it's so hard for me to just do one thing. I have to like do a couple things at the same time to feel like I'm, you know, and it's not good because a lot of people, because when people see you're really busy, they, they sometimes don't think that you're be giving quality, but there's also another arg argument that says there's some people who can get do quality while doing a few things just because some that's some, sometimes how some brains are wired, you know. Like I've been studying into the the minds of certain like really like like geniuses and in individuals, and they use divergent thinking to help them structure their, their way of thought is divergent thinking. So when you have one idea, it branches off into all these different things before it comes back and refocuses again. So I mean. There's as, as long as the focus point comes back, I think it's okay if you if your mind needs to wander a little bit because there's gonna be a time where you really do focus all your energy and try to get something done and do it right. So I feel like we should also like not be so hard on ourselves and understand that like there's levels to divergent thinking, but some people are really like abstract and some people are more like you know like the linear. We just have to be understand that like 
there's some rules to meditation, but the way that it's like in, in theory and in practice, they're not always going to be like hand in hand. So, I mean, a lot of the reasons why people get discouraged about meditation or about yoga is because they, they don't, they don't feel like they're mastered it or they're at this high level. But the point is, is that you'll never be there. And that's how, that's why it's a lifetime practice, right? It's not something that you just can wake up one day and be like, whoa, look at me. I'm present. I'm here. I'm focused. I'm doing one thing at a time. Like, I, you know, like that we probably, the day that we reach that, I think we're going to be done living. So I think it's important to just continue to be like, whatever, there's so much work to do. We have a whole lifetime, whether it's one day or like 70 years, it's still a lifetime that we have to live. So be patient with yourselves as well. Well, I think one of the ideas that going back to the Paloma and, and her is that I have begun in my meditation to sit with an open focus instead of a pointed focus. And in doing so is that I, I, I think it's, what it's doing is allowing me to see my own behavior by having an open focus in my meditation. Yeah, I find different meditations for different things. In the middle of the night, it really—I mean, it's really cleared away. There were so many nights that there would be this mind chatter, and I know so many other women. People will say, "Oh, that's a part of menopause." I mean, they people have a a, a name they want to give for anything. Well, that's yeah. a normal part <laughs> a label. of this, a normal <laughs> part of that. And then when I uh, someone had a, there was an exercise uh, at. Uh, agape at a ceremony and it was on okay there's all these things and so you tell the things i see you take a piece of paper and write down on there just take a few minutes and these things that are wanting to all talk at the same time write them down and then fold them up and say okay it's not your time yet and then decide which one of them you really want to deal with. And then we shifted from doing that with a real piece of paper to in our mind, just picturing all those things that are trying to talk and just putting them in a little bubble, you know, a little bubble over to the side and say, okay, guys, <laughs> you're there. But right now I'm thinking about the whatever. And that was like just shifting to where I wanted to put my energy. And now all those other things, you know, I guess they say, oh, they're gonna, she's going to give us a time out. So they don't come bothering me in the middle of the night, every night. And when they do come, just then either being able to do one of the different forms of breathing. The good thing about meditation is it isn't absolute. I think each of you said. Passport, but yeah, this has been a really great discussion, guys. I appreciate everybody's time. <laughs> yes. And so this Probably is the first of May, and we have been giving some wonderful things that help you when you've arrived at that Mayday, Mayday, Mayday call in your life that you can meditate. And our, our guests have been Neil Ryan, Paloma Comas, Adele Arup, and Charlotte Ferrier uh, here at CJSF. Thumbs up to, uh, thumbs up to, to, to everybody. Good, good conversation. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us here. Okay, and you know, when they ask what time it is, I always say it's love time, poem time. <laughs> poem time, love time. And we want to remember, I had a piece of uh, information about the coronavirus. We get reminded all the time to wash our hands. Uh, there was a uh, a notice that came out on April 20th of 2020 that says until further notice, new measures require all passengers to have a non-medical, meaning not a 90, you know, N95, a non-medical mask or face covering to cover their mouth and nose during travel. Um, traveling on the bus, there are some people who are doing that and some people who are not, uh, but just remembering to uh, smile. Someone was, gave a poem and they said, smile behind the mask. And I took a picture of myself smiling behind the mask. So even though you couldn't see my smile, your eyes are smiling. Yeah. So I encourage everybody, smile behind your mask, nod your head or turn your hand. You know, you can do the queenly or <laughs> paper wave just so that people uh, feel the connection because we are stronger together. And I want to thank each of you for spending this time out of your busy day to share some ways to people the benefits and joys of uh, meditation and mindfulness. Can I offer a closing thought? I wrote, it's in my book. Too often we sacrifice our inner child on the altar of being a grown up. Hmm.
I love that. Thank you, Neil. Thank you so much, everyone. Namaste. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. We'll see you again oh, next no. Friday. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Hey, uh, Charlotte, I'm sorry I was late.